Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Work Happy Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Graves, CEO of Silicon Reef. In this episode, I'm joined by Change and Communications Consultant and Coach Dana Poole. Dana's worked for some of the top FTSE companies in the world, such as BP, GSK, Unilever, and is currently at Shell. Dana is a friend of Silicon Reef, and I was fortunate enough to work with her during my time at Unilever. So in this episode, you'll hear us talk about some old times and old colleagues too. Also in this episode, we'll hear how Shell have been supporting employees over the last 18 months, and how building a collaborative culture that's been evolving and fostering great colleague relations whilst they've been remote, and how the softer skills side of coaching are really becoming more relevant in the hybrid workforce we have ahead. Before we get on with the episode, I wanted to let listeners know that this is the last guest episode in this series, and I wanted to take this moment to thank all the guests we've had on the show for joining us, and also make a call out to those of you listening, and encourage you to get in touch with me should you want to be a guest on the show, as Series 2 is just coming around the corner at the end of the summer. Let's go straight into this episode and hear from Dana. Dana, welcome. And if you could please give the listeners an introduction to yourself, as well as some information about your experience in comms and change management. Hi, Alex. I am so excited to be on your podcast series. Thank you for inviting me. And if you're listening, nice to meet you. I'm Dana. My formal title is Change and Communications Lead at Shell. But I like to think of myself as someone who empowers people to achieve their goals, could be a leader who has a newly formed team and wants to build a motivated and engaged community, uh, increase their productivity. Uh, Maybe a program delivery lead who has to manage her stakeholders effectively and get their buy-in and advocacy. Could be a project manager who rolls out a new tool globally and wants to improve adoption or embed new ways of working. Could be a technology expert. And by the way, I've worked with some extraordinary tech brains. I am in awe of some of my colleagues. Maybe he wants to move up the career ladder and needs a soundboard or a coach to develop some soft skills like communication or using business language. A new joiner who wants to improve his network and increase visibility in the company. Someone who starts a particular continuous improvement initiative and needs to get it off the ground, build some awareness, maybe start a community of practice. And just like yesterday, could also be an IT leader who is educating and showcasing to our CIO his vision for how we can mature cloud-native technology that is fit for purpose for our new renewables business acquisitions. So while I am a communicator at heart, just like your audience, I love that my job is diverse and allows me to use both change management and communication skills to support and empower my colleagues. Perfect. So you're, you've got such a wide range of experience of working with some of the largest companies in the world, really, from Shell. And I know you've worked at BP, Unilever. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of programs that you've been working on within there and how you've applied you know, the different types of techniques that you've mentioned in your introduction there for helping not only the change management of like a program, for example, but also like you're doing in Shell now, we're empowering people to, to support themselves and to develop their career as well. Give us a bit of an outline maybe about the, the program that you're working on at Shell. Yes. So first of all, can I just mention BP? Because there was a huge digital transformation program there. And um, I've learned a lot about digital communication, a lot about technology. And then GSK was was about ERP. So 
it, it was very, very, um, very, very different. But at, at Shell, I work across three teams and uh, it's SAP where we deliver SAP products and, and services globally. It's a team tech consultancy where we're building capabilities and skills. And it's another team where we're trying to bring in some kind of cutting edge mindset around how you can uh, deliver programs in a, in a much faster way. So across your shell landscape that you're working across those three different work streams, how are you keeping in touch with that diverse workforce? Because I imagine at Shell, it's a very global team. How are you kind of connecting with them and helping them through those change programs? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is a global audience. And to connect and collaborate, we use a blend of tools like Teams and Skype for chats and calls and SharePoint to store documents. But actually, MS Teams is quickly becoming the tool of choice. And I noticed that many colleagues are no longer active on Skype. And more and more, we store and share documents on Teams. For my SAP team, we have weekly video calls on Teams. And actually, we have lots of fun, you know, taking a peek into each other's homes. Sometimes somebody's son might walk, come over and say hi, or we use cool backgrounds. A colleague at one point, she looked like she was floating in space. And it just lightens the mood. We had so much fun with it. It kind of brings an informal feel to our meetings. And that's that's what I love about it. And then for more kind of outward looking, you know, wide employee engagement and adoption, we use Yammer, especially since the COVID situation has heavily impacted India, where our IT organization is mostly based. My approach on Yammer has been kind of less is more. So we do fewer, but well thought out pieces where we share successes, we share lessons learned, you know, how we dealt with challenges, things that people can learn from personal stories that others can learn from. And yeah, so far they've been well-received by our communities and, and senior leaders. Like I said, the, the, the thing around um, telling stories and the bit that you mentioned about using Yama to tell stories and your background kind of in communications and change management, how important is telling stories as part of any change management campaign? Well, telling stories is, is crucial to change management, to employee engagement. And it's uh, one of the things I, I always tell people about communication is information is sending stuff out. Communication is making sure it lands. And without having a personal element, you know, we have the left-hand side of the brain and the right-hand side of the brain. And it's, it's our logical brain, but it's also our, our empathy. And so a story has to have both elements, has to have data and facts and proof points, but it also has to bring something of yourself. It has to make people understand and relate to some personal aspect. Otherwise, it's not going to come across and, and people are just not going to relate to it. So, you know, for us, I, I the reason I'm kind of using personal stories is because, you know, I want to be mindful of colleagues who due to COVID, maybe they lost loved ones, you know, family and friends and, and be sensitive to how they feel. So using these personal stories, you know, we tone down the kind of patting on the back and, and we celebrate successes in different ways that I feel are a bit more meaningful while, you know, paying attention to what's happening around us. And actually Teams is integrated with Yammer. So if anyone mentions you on Yammer, it also appears on your Teams feed. So you can't really escape it. 
the role about telling stories and making sure that they are inclusive of as many people as possible and getting a diverse kind of conversation going on. What kind of techniques are you using to to make sure that you're you know getting a diverse workforce mix, whether it's from like, there are different demographics, perhaps different cultures, different countries? How important is a diverse mix of storytelling um, to be inclusive of as many people as possible? So we actually target based on the goal, based on you know our strategy and and what is it that we're trying to achieve. We don't tend to go you know, really, really to like hundreds of thousands of people. We're trying to target people that, especially for for change, people that are directly impacted. And the the good thing about Yammery has it is that it has very it has many communities. You have, you know, breakdowns by country, by function, by groups of interest. And so we try to go with our communication to the people that are directly impacted by it because it has to be timely. And, you know, the key messages have to be relevant to them. So, yeah, I think the teams that I am responsible for, we don't do at the moment kind of huge global communications that goes out to everyone. Sometimes we do, but not not that often. So we're trying to be very targeted and, and very measurable. And the the program that you're working on for the rollout of SAP, how many users is that targeting? And, and again, I'm assuming that's a global campaign. That's everyone. That's 70,000. 70,000 people. So, and again, that, that storytelling and relating story, relating to the audience across that 70,000, is that mostly driven again through, through Yammer or, and a mixture of maybe article content and video content? It is mainly through Yammer. Uh, so I work on the delivery side of the program and there is also the portfolio side of the program. They are the ones who are, if you like, more customer facing. My program is more of a B2Bs, IT, talking to IT, making sure things happen. So, you know, in big companies, we work in partnership. There are so many kind of parties to the table. You have delivery, you have portfolio, you have architects, you have, you know, policy and yeah, security, and you just have to bring everyone together. So my role is more of, uh, you know, connecting the dots, making sure everyone is is aligned, and the people who are responsible for communicating widely have the materials and have the the knowledge on on how to do that. But they leverage the channels that they own, and then we leverage the channels that we are responsible for. And again, it sounds like part of your role as well is to making sure that when the when the change is being communicated that it lands really well with your audience and and how important do you think that the the culture within a business and your role in helping people adapt to maybe challenges that they see ahead with a, a new a new technology rolling out how important do you think communications is at, at helping leverage and explain so it lands within the culture of the organization yeah i mean i think communication it's it's really really important but for my role, the focus has slightly shifted. Uh, you know, it's more about enabling teams to perform, to deliver excellence, listening to them, motivate and engage them, help them build new capabilities and skills, not only for, you know, not only suitable to the, like the future demand in the market and in Shell, but those that match their own career desires. You know, I was reading about the top 10 skills most sought after by employees in 2021. And interestingly, very few are technical skills, you know, like cloud computing or artificial intelligence. If you look at the top five, they are, one is actually continuous learning. 
So, you know, the days of getting a job and doing the minimum to get by are over. Two was time management, three decision making, four collaboration and five emotional intelligence. So my role has changed quite considerably and today is less about, you know, communicating to large target audiences and more about facilitating, embedding change, connecting the dots, coaching on developing soft skills, empowering teams, supporting leaders to build strategies and and meet their agendas and and one-on-one coaching. And actually, I love it. It's so new and it's different. And yes, you know, I've done the kind of big rollouts and the big programs. And I think by kind of focusing on, on small, you just get more qualitative and you, you're able to hone certain skills that, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to do when I was working on like really big transformation programs. And your, your role is now like a, a coach within the workplace. Tell us a bit more about the kind of people that you're coaching and how it's kind of affecting their careers as well. Because I know that most huge organizations, they often go through cycles of um, you know, opportunities becoming available and they need to people to help them to push them forward in their career. How important is it now to have kind of workplace coaches, do you think, as part of that role? And, and tell us a little about your experience in doing that in, in maybe Shell. So Shell has, um, the IT organization has kind of uh, a new strategy called IT operations of the future, which is more about changing the mindset of uh, program managers, anybody involved in delivery, not to focus just on delivering the technology, you know, not just ticking the box. Technology is out. It's done. My job is done. It's much more about, um, you know, how do we influence uh, improving user experience and, you know, changing changing that mindset. So my role is a lot about coaching people to adapt to this new kind of mentality and strategy, but it's also impacting the way the organization is structured. So some, you know, we're going through something called reshape, which is um, kind of a bit of a reorg. So some of my colleagues have to apply for new jobs and new opportunities. Some of them have to apply for their own jobs. And Actually, uh, somebody reached out to me, my boss reached out to me and said, hey, you know, would you mind giving me a bit of help? Have a look at my CV. What do you think? And I actually did that in my own personal time. And then, you know, he came back to me and he said, I never imagined a CV could look like this, which was the best compliment, you know, you made my day. And um, he actually applied for a role and he was successful. And then somebody else came to me and said, hey, Dana, I've heard that you've helped so-and-so. Would you mind helping me? And I did. And then a third person came and I'm actually three for three because, you know, three people who, that I've helped have, have managed to secure roles. And, you know, this side of my job, which is not directly related to, you know, kind of what I'm doing, but it is indirectly related. It's really rewarding to me. And, you know, when I have a global rollout in SAP and I've got a piece of communication that has landed and is successful, it's great. But helping someone follow their dreams, get the the job that they they were after and really helping them in their career, that is so much more rewarding to me. And honestly, on those days, like I walk with a massive grin on my face and yeah, I'm just really, really happy. You're, you know, this is called happy work, right? So that's what makes me happy (laughs) at work. That's it. That's it. We're working, working happy and helping other people. I think it's a, you know, that, that's one of the yeah. fundamentals for me about, about work happy is how you support others in their career paths, as well as being productive and getting their job done. And, and actually, I think 
one of the things that you touched upon there is um i think the the workplace in the next 18 months i can see a real shift in you know people's demands from the workplace and from their employer to be more flexible and i think if anything that's happened over the last 18 months it's shown us that people need that trust and they need to feel trust from their from their employer and if they don't get that going forward over the next 18 months, two years, I think the there's going to be such a huge shift in the jobs market of people looking elsewhere to go and you know move on in their career, progress their career. Because if the organization that they're working for hasn't adapted quick enough to maybe a, a new the new hybrid world of working, which everybody's talking about now as the way that people will work, I do think there's going to be a big shift. And actually what you described there with you know, supporting people with it, applying for, for roles. I think you know, the jobs market needs more Danas and, and it needs more people to support them in how they can, you know, get the role of their dreams, really, because there's going to be more people wanting to progress their careers, but being held back by where they are now. Dana, if you could tell us what work happy means to you and how Shell allow you to live that. You know, I, I actually was thinking when I, you know, saw the name of your podcast, what work happy means for me. And I think, you know, for my colleagues, and I feel like it means like three things, you know, seamless technology, seamless technology enables you to be productive anytime, anywhere on, on whatever device. You don't need to know the ins and outs, but it needs to be there. And, and Shell is really good at doing that. Uh, I think the second one is leadership. You know, leadership that sets a clear vision and task for the team, removes blockers, motivates and support them to achieve their ambition. I'd be like, you know, the servant leader concept in Agile. And again, I see that the leaders that I work with, they are really role modeling this and they're putting a lot of effort and emphasis, not just on delivering for their projects, but people management. And then I think the third one is the culture, a culture that supports remote working encourages diversity in whatever form, you know, gender, race, opinion, a culture that learns from mistakes and rewards success. And I see this every day. It's not just, you know, lip service. It is happening and it is something that Shell is working really hard to build and continue to build. Now, I think the pandemic has added kind of a new dimension to culture and that is self-care and care for each other. We didn't have this before, or at least not to this extent. Every meeting starts with an HSSE moment. And for the past year, these, you know, have been dominated by COVID. Personal stories, advice on how to stay safe, how to manage stress and well-being, and just listening, just listening and being there for each other. That's how we go through it. That's how we kind of manage to focus on work and deliver excellence together. And I see this happening from, you know, the leaders, like really, really senior leaders, our CEO, in fact, I see happening at all levels. And it's something that Shell has embraced and has adapted. And I think it's, you know, really figuring out what this means, what this whole pandemic situation has meant for the company, and really working to to adapt and, and embrace the things that we kind of had to I think the the well-being and mental health point that you mentioned with it never being so prevalent in the workplace as it is now mm-hmm. and I think it will always be something that's going to be carried forward into you know the future and just looking after each other I think is and being aware of each other and how we can support each other 
I totally agree with you. The fact that it's now the awareness of how important that is, is higher now than, than ever before, I think, in the workplace. And can you tell us anything about what Shell in particular have been doing, um, maybe specifically over the last 18 months in supporting their employees to be, you know, cared for and, and looked after? And have you seen a shift perhaps in management techniques to be more relatable and more one-to-one and be more contactable? Has anything, have you seen anything adapt and change there? Yes, definitely. I mean, for example, in, in India, the IT leadership has um, given my Indian colleagues um, well-being days. So three Mondays in a row, they have time off to just... Um, you know, manage the, the, the stress situation and, and the situation they're in. I have one colleague who has lost 10 of his high school friends, people he grew up with. I have another one who lost her grandparents recently, someone else who lost six members of his family. And I mean, when these things happen, you know, what can you do? There's, there's not a lot you can say that would comfort people. But yeah, the Shell leadership is helping, you know, I know one leader financially, some of the hospitals in India were not accepting people, they wanted cash, you know, you couldn't just uh, put it on the insurance. And some people didn't have the cash. So some of the leaders have actually helped people with money. Others have tried to source oxygen for, you know, some of the some of our colleagues. And I noticed that uh, team leaders are, are very much involved in helping, you know, helping colleagues. One of my boss's boss, he sent a personal email to every single member of his team to with specific details of, you know, what happened in his family, whether he was sick of COVID or some of his family members were. And just, you know, a few heartfelt words, they go such a long way. We can't do much other than just listen and be there and, and show care. And Shelly's brilliant at, you know, having toolkits and bringing health experts to, you know, we have, like I said, HSSE moments and we bring some of these experts and they talk about how to manage stress. And, you know, the fact that you feel desperate and sad and angry, as well as, you know, hopeful for the future, all of these feelings, we have such huge range of diverse feelings. It's okay. It's okay to feel in whichever way you know, you feel. Um, the IT leadership has also uh, discussed about, you know, changing priorities and kind of slowing down on, on some of the deliverables we had to do and moving things into next year to give people a bit of breathing room. And, you know, it's really hard sometimes to focus when these things happen in your family. So they really showed understanding. Oh, there's some, there's some, you know, there's some stories that you've got there that I think, having those personal moments where you can really empathize and to, to hear what it's like, those experiences. I just think that, you know, the last the last 18 months, two years has, has really shown us that people connecting with people is so important in the workplace. And I think tools like we've got, you know, Teams and Zoom and, and all the other meetings that allow you just to see those faces and to see that and to provide that empathy as well with that person that you're connecting with. Because when I think, you know, three years ago, when Teams first started rolling out, it was nobody ever really wanted to put their video on. And it was one of those mm. things that was almost like a, oh, I'm just going to put the no video. And, um, you know, with, with everybody shifting to being just being virtual and being a, a, 
somebody that you saw at the end of the screen. And um, you know, I think back to when Silicon Reef has grown over the last 18 months, I've got some colleagues that have joined us that I've never met before, never met them in person, but they're new colleagues of mine. And I, all I see them as now is they're just at the other end of the screen and I can't wait to meet them. But I feel like I'm building a relationship with them through the screen. Mm-hmm. When I come to meet them, I hope that makes it stronger. And I think maybe the returning back to the office again. Do you think that in Shell, for example, the, some colleagues that may be on your team that you have never met before and they've just been at the other end of the screen and you may be going back to Shell in, in London to go and meet them at some point. Do you think that having the last 18 months of being remote and having connections via the screen has helped form that bond quicker and easier, do you think? And do you think you'll have lots of stories to relate to? And again, thinking about your role in change management and communications and how important do you think that the technology tools like Teams, for example, is for running those events where you can have that connection with people through a video now? I think it's crucial. I mean, I think the new normal as Shell is, you know, being in a video call meeting with 10, 15 people and not be surprised the doorbell rings or someone walks by or a child starts crying, laughing, or the boss is in the garden. We didn't have this two years ago. It was frowned upon. Now it's just accepted. I love that we welcomed each other into our homes and families with using Teams and video calling. It has brought us closer for sure. I'll tell you another story. So to stay fit during the pandemic, IT launched this fitness challenge. Let's all walk to the South Pole. Yay. So, you know, we made virtual teams like six people and tried to be the number of steps for like eight consecutive weeks. And the whole competition was managed on Yammer. My team, we called ourselves the SAP Warriors. So, you know, all over India and me in the UK, you know, we had this WhatsApp group and we shared our steps and tips and how to convert certain activities like gardening into steps. And we encouraged each other. They chose me to be captain. I honestly never walked so many steps in my whole life. Like one weekend, I literally walked for 20 hours. I had blisters on Monday and I could hardly walk. But, you know, I loved it. I got to know my colleagues on a personal level. We became friends. I mean, I know their hobbies. I know their passion. We have things in common, the things we treasure. And I think technology is going to continue to shorten kind of geographic distance and bring people closer together. And that can only, you know, help collaboration, build better relationships. I feel like by knowing them better, we do better work. You know, it's not just making us happier. It makes us more productive. So, yeah, I think Teams has, you know, it's just been amazing in kind of bringing us closer together. And, and I never knew about them, the things that I that I know today, even though people I sat next to, you know, next to, you know, having desks next to each other in the office. I, I, I didn't take the time to get to know them. But I think this virtual kind of connection has brought us much closer than we were before. I think that's really interesting. And I've, until you said it, I'd never really given it any thought before. But I think I think you're right because we've been given more face time with each other without those distractions of like the office space that you might get of like, you know, a meeting where you have to go off to a meeting room. Actually, all, we're all in the same meeting room now because it's on a screen. But having those moments where you're actually having a conversation about how was your weekend and, you know, what were you up to? And, oh, did you do that with your family? Because last week when we spoke on the screen, we talked about that. And getting to know somebody 
and the impact that has on how you work together to be productive. I think that's really interesting as well, because you mentioned about how it helps you relate, communicate better, but also that relationship that you're building with them, having known a little bit about them, it helps them support you and you want to support them more as a colleague. That's right. I think that's that's a really interesting thing to think about that we've gained from this kind of video communication versus the office space. But actually, as we do go back to be physically together, I really think that the the fact that we're meeting these people on a, on a screen and it helps us to know a bit more about them perhaps than I would want to ask them or maybe choose to ask them or have the time to ask them in the office maybe. Yeah, I mean, right from the beginning, I set up this, um, we call them virtual coffee moments, a bit like, you know, the water cooler moment in the in the office where you just stop and just chat to people. So uh, sometimes they're 15 minutes on a Friday. Uh, sometimes they're a bit longer. And basically everybody pops in now and then. And we talk about anything and everything, but nothing to do with work. So that's kind of the only rule. You cannot talk about work. I mean, sometimes we talk about dating, <laughs> we talk about food, we talk about exercising and, you know, hobbies, photography, whatever it is, you know, somebody, actually, I had one this morning, I had one this morning and I found out that a colleague of mine, you know, his wife gave birth to a baby girl and yeah, I mean, just things that you otherwise wouldn't know. And I love, I love the fact that we have these kind of moments and it, yeah, it definitely brings us together. And honestly, when I meet them in the office, I will probably greet them as friends. You know, I think, yeah, it's going to be different than just saying hello to a colleague. They've become much more to me than, than colleagues. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I really agree. I, I re completely agree. And I think um, knowing more about somebody and having those coffee moments where, you know, if you were in the office, you wouldn't really have a moment to go and have a coffee with somebody like that because you're all in meetings and doing your job. But those virtual moments, and I wonder whether it's something that, as we return to office life in the next 12 months or so and how you know the workplace is going to shift to allow us to have more of those moments away from you know being sat at our desk and having lunch at el desco and um, you know actually taking some time out to to take some time to get to speak to your colleagues again do you think organizations will promote more time to connect with colleagues once they go back to the office again I think so. But I think as communicators, this is our role to facilitate and to encourage leadership to do this. What I've learned from doing this role is like coaching should be the norm. It shouldn't be something that you do now and then. It should be embedded in your job. As communicators, I think coaching has to be there. I mean, I learned that coaching people creates better workplaces. And communicators, in a way, have always coached people to a certain extent. But I think this aspect of our job will not only grow going forward, but, you know, I think coaching leaders, for example, to role model openness, transparency, self-care and care for others, coaching team to develop new skills and capabilities. That is something that it should be kind of part of our arsenal, if you like, as, as communicators. And, you know, don't be afraid to get personal. I mean, I think you know this from our time at Unilever, <laughs> you know, that I love what I do, but I kind of put myself, my passion, all of my energy into it. You know, when I train or coach people, I'm like never afraid to get personal, to tell stories, you know. In training sessions, sometimes I might cry 
I might laugh, you know, I might talk about politics and uncomfortable things. Sometimes I might give some tough love. But I think as communicators, we need to kind of develop this personality and not be afraid to show it. Do you remember Neil, you know, our, our director of uh, digital communications, Neil Atkinson, you know, someone I really admire. I do, yeah, I um, do. Yeah. He said to me once, he said, Dana, you wear your heart on your sleeve. Well, maybe I do. But so far, it has served me well in my career. So I think I'll keep wearing it. And if there is one piece of advice that I have for our listeners is, is this, you know, don't be afraid to, to be passionate and to encourage other people to show. Don't be afraid to get personal. I like that. And I think what you said as well about your, how you're coaching others as well and passing that on as a mantra almost. It's like, guys, you know, it's okay to do that and it's okay to, to share personal experiences because it helps people relate to who you are and their empathy. And I think it goes back again to what we we're talking about, how you get to know people and experience those personal stories about, you know, what you said this morning about the person who had a coffee and their wife just had a baby and just like, wow, that's a personal moment that they've chosen to share with you. And it helps you connect with them better. And, you know, having that as a role as internal communicators to be able to tell the stories, connect with people without really having personal moments, whether it's your own or whether it's you expressing somebody else's of how, you know, things are changing, like a, a program that you're working on is impacting how they actually get to live their life. And that's for me is, again, when it comes back to talking about what work happy is and how I think the Microsoft tools are making a difference to people and how they relate with each other, how they can be productive. For me, it's about using the technology in the right way to allow me to have more of those personal moments with my family, for example, like, you know, uh, I, this, this last couple of weeks, I've turned on something called the virtual commute in Microsoft 365. And it, every day at five o'clock, just before it tells me, are you ready to start wrapping down your day and, and, uh, and shut down? And it gives me the tools to be able to say, actually, Alex, your kids are now home. You're sat in the office at home. It's time to start wrapping down that, that time and so to think about transitioning from being in work mode to being at home again to allow me to have those personal moments. And that's why I think that the technology tools that you get, um, such as Viva Insights, which is what I was talking about there with the virtual commute, it's going to allow us to enjoy more of those personal moments, to be able to share them with others and to you know, build relationships because work is such a huge part of our life that you know, we've got to be able to have those moments to share with colleagues as well. But it's most important that we can actually turn off from being work at work and go back to our families and our friends and, you know, enjoy those moments of going for a coffee or going for a drink or whatever it is with friends. I think that's really good. I'm going to look those tools up because, you know, what, one of the things that it's important at the moment, everybody's working really, really hard. And I think I'm hearing, you know, work-life balance, people struggle with it. And, you know, the boundaries are, are being blurred between kind of family and work life. So having tools like this that can prompt you and maybe give you a bit of, you know, notice, I think that's really good. I mean, I, I think everybody should take responsibility for your own work-life balance. Uh, you know, you need to set some boundaries and you need to stick to them. But I appreciate that sometimes it's, it's not always so easy because everybody wants to do a really good job. And I think, yeah, having something like this could definitely help. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining the show, 
Dana and being on the episode of the Work Happy podcast. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to follow up with any other questions or just connect to to hear more about what you're saying and what you're doing within your within your career and your coaching? Maybe if somebody wanted some coaching and how would they get in touch with you? <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me on your show, Alex, and, and for everyone else. Thanks for listening. I mean, yeah, you you can find me on LinkedIn. Let's keep talking there. I'm always open up for, you know, if you want to bounce ideas, if you want some advice. At the moment, I'm kind of doing it for free. I'm doing it for, you know, people who approach me, someone who's young, maybe wants to get on the communication career ladder and helping them with some of, you know, my advice. I'm also, like I said, helping leaders you know, who maybe kind of had a long career and kind of just need to polish up a bit on their skills, on their CVs. But yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn. So yeah, I'm always happy to make new connections and, and talk and talk to people and help them out. Well, thank you, Dana. And um, what we'll do is we'll add your LinkedIn to the bottom of the show notes um, available here on our website. And um, so anybody will be able to connect with you via LinkedIn that listens to the show. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dana, again for joining this episode. I really enjoyed that recording because it felt like it was a really good catch up with an old friend and colleague. Um, but the things that we talked about really varied from you know, hearing about how the pandemic has had an unexpected effect on the Shell's culture um, and driven by empathy, but also how Dana's soft skills and the side of coaching is really coming out more and more. And it's, I agree with it that it's going to become more relevant in the future workforce as the jobs market changes, culture changes in organisations, and people are going to be, you know, could be employed from anywhere in the world now. So next week, we're going to be wrapping up with one more episode in this series, and it's going to be a highlight summary from all of our great guest speakers. Again, if you've enjoyed the series, please leave a review and it would be great to hear from you directly if you have any comments. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye bye.